This is Jen from Grace for Single Parents, where your parenting and God's grace collide. Today I'm talking to Myrna Scales, who is my friend in real life. We both live here in Topeka, Kansas, and we met a couple months ago and we really hit it off. And I invited her onto the show because I wanted to have her talk about her cancer journey that she walked through with her three-month-old son. And as a result, what it was like for her with the expectations versus reality of what motherhood would be like. So welcome, Myrna. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I'm really excited about your topic because you're going to be talking about the expectations versus reality of motherhood, right? Yes, yes. So can you give us a little um, background? Yes. Um, So I am a U.S. Air Force pilot wife and me and my husband, we have two boys. Um, My oldest is six and my youngest is three, three and a half will be four in April. Can't believe it. And um, yeah, so I guess um, with our first baby, everything was great and um, he was healthy. I was healthy. Um, He walked at nine months, I believe, and he slept through the night in his own room before he was one. Just, you know, parents dream. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so we're like, okay, this is amazing. We're so blessed. Like, I remember my husband and I walking on the lake and we're thinking like, we're so blessed. This is so amazing. And then all of a sudden we were like, you know what? Let's have a second one. Um, Cause we can do this. We're really good at it. So um, we tried for a second and we got pregnant right away. Um, and we were super happy. Everything was great. We were both healthy. Um, and even like labor, everything was good. Um, but then when we brought him home, some things were different. Um, he wouldn't sleep. It's like, he couldn't get comfortable. Um, he, I had problems breastfeeding, just all the anxiety and like kind of baby blues, uh, the second time around was a little bit worse. And I was like, Oh, this feels different, you know? Um, I didn't really prepare myself mentally for, for that. So I was just like, oh, why don't I feel like I did the first time? Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, just I'm in survival mode. This time's a little bit harder because I have a toddler as well right. that I have to take care of. So I can't just take naps mm-hmm. <laughs> and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, it was, it was hard. Um, and when he was three months old, I was playing with him on my lap and he was just wiggling. And then when he wiggled a certain way, I saw a lump on his belly and it was like firm. And I was like, what is this? And the first thought that popped into my mind was, oh, he's constipated, you know, like, what can we do for that? And so I called my husband over and I was like, Hey, look at this. This is, I haven't seen this before. Like, have you seen this? And we both were just like, I don't know what this is. So we decided, um, we would bring him to the doctor the next day. And so that's what we did. 
And it's funny because we had so many plans that day. We're like, we're just going to bring them to the doctor and then we're going to go out to eat. I remember we're going to go to Longhorns, go to the park. Yeah. Bunch of plans. And um, so we get there and the doctor checks him out. And then she says, can I have another doctor come and take a look as well? And in my head, I'm like, it's just constipation. Why do we need all all of these like to come in? Um, And so the other doctor came in and turned off the lights and was putting a flashlight on his belly and they were pressing. And I looked at my husband and I was like, I have never seen this before. Like, what are they doing? This is weird. And so they stepped out and they kind of talked. And then the doctor came back in and was like, your son has a mass. Um, we, we don't know much more than that, but you have to go to the hospital. They have a room ready for you mm. at you and you have to go right away. And we're just like, what? Yeah. Uh, so okay. Yeah. So at that time, did your mind go to like the worst case scenario or were you still pretty optimistic? Um, No, at that time I started panicking Uh because, you know, I mean, I'm used to, oh, it's nothing. Oh, just do this, give them apple juice, you know, or whatever. And let's go back home. But now they're telling us, you got to go to the hospital. They're waiting for you. There's got to be more tests done. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, what is this? I don't know. And so, yeah, my, my, my mind started running and, you know, our toddler, our oldest son was there and he um, was about to be three and he's just playing and, Mm, and and me and my husband were just like, trying to focus on what the doctor's saying, trying to keep him, you know, um, engaged. And it was just so crazy. So we had to drive to the hospital and um, that, that drive was just, you know, like silence. I'm praying in my heart. I know my husband's praying in his heart, trying not to cry and all of the stuff, you know. Um, so we get to the hospital and there's like a team of nurses waiting for us. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hi, Elliot. Hi. You know, and he's only three months. So for him to like be laying on the bed with all these wires and stuff, mm-hmm. like babies don't want that, you know? So they're bringing him toys and, and all this stuff. And they had to um, uh, draw blood you know, all this stuff. So you have to hold the baby down and all the doctors came in and they're asking us questions. When did you see this? You know, how else has he been? And I'm just trying to remember like what happened this morning, you know, like I know he's had a hard time sleeping. And, you know, other than that, like everything's been fine. And so the first thing they did was the ultrasound. And um, that came back and they couldn't even see the kidney because the two were big. And I was just like, well, at the time they still were calling it a mass. Okay. Um, 
but then um, we stayed at the hospital. We got there around maybe one, two o'clock. We, we stayed at the hospital for another two, two, three days. Oh, okay. Uh, just waiting to find out what is wrong. Yeah, just waiting, monitoring him. Um, I guess waiting for tests and figuring things out. That same night, um, a doctor walks in and the first thing I do is I look at her badge and it said pediatric oncologist. And I was like, no, it was, it was awful. That feeling, yeah, you know, and, um, you know, the first thing that she did was make sure that Pacer was out of the room. Your oldest. My oldest. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that made me even more scared. I was like, oh, she can't even say all this stuff in front of him like what is she gonna say um so he went and played in the in the playroom and um then she told us she was like you know I believe that your son has Wilms tumor and it's a kidney tumor that's it's um common in children but it's not as common when they're a baby oh okay yeah, so Elliot is the youngest in Topeka to have cancer. Oh, really? Yeah, because he was only three months, three months old. And um, so I'm not sure for right now if that has changed. But right, but at, at the, the time, yeah, that probably made it even a little more scarier too. Yeah. And it was a it was a scary journey because it's not something that we've ever dealt with, with any family or friends really, and you know like I was still recovering mentally from pregnancy and labor. Right. That's right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so and I was breastfeeding, but when he was at the hospital, I was just like, let's just give him formula. Like I don't. Mm-hmm. It, I was too stressed. Right. So I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to make everything perfect, you know, as a mom. And I, I want everything to be perfect for my oldest son. I want everything to be perfect for my second son. And that's not reality. It's not reality. Um, so after we spoke to the doctor, she told us, yeah, I think your son has Wilms tumor and, um, uh, you know, and she gave us all the details. Then she was like, take this moment to cry. Take this moment to scream, do whatever you got to do. Because after this, we have to get in control. You guys have to be strong for this journey for Elliot. Wow. Yeah. And so we cried, we cried, we cried, we cried. And then when we were done, she was like, okay, this tumor is really big and it needs to be removed right away. And she said, there's an amazing surgeon, you know, that I trust and, you know, I believe in and in KU Med. And um, we scheduled the surgery for three days later. Wow, fast. 
fast because it was it was a type of tumor that was connected to the kidney. It was coming from the kidney, but blood was being uh, pushed through it, which was making it, it was like a cyst filled kidney. Okay. I mean, so every minute it was getting bigger. Wow. And some kids, their stomachs get huge, you know, before they, they realize something's wrong. You know, we caught it early, thank God. Mm-hmm. So um, um, that night she wanted to get a CT scan to make sure that the tumor hadn't spread to the lungs or any other organs. Um, so that was really scary mm-hmm. because we really didn't know what was going on in, in his body. Um, so we went to the CT scan and they had to sedate him and just seeing him lying there, you know, just asleep and lifeless. And we're like, oh my gosh, this is our little baby. Like, how is this even possible? You Especially know, I, from where you were a couple of days ago, thinking that, you know, you would just run by, but now your whole world is upside down. Yes, yes. And um, I keep thinking back at that time, I keep putting the guilt on myself. And I'm like, what did I do? Did I stress out too much? Did I not eat the right thing? Did, did I do something wrong? You when know? you were pregnant, yeah. When I was pregnant. And that's what the oncologist told me. She was like, it is not your fault. Whatever you do, whatever you think, it's not your fault. This is just something that happened. So I, I tried to keep remembering what she said. Um, and I finally know now like that it wasn't my fault, but at the time I was, I was really, really hard on myself. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, the CT scan came back and the tumor hadn't spread anywhere. We had caught it on time. So that was the most amazing news we got that night. And we were able to like go to sleep and kind of like, thank God that mm-hmm. read. Um, and I just have to say like everyone at the hospital, oh my gosh, they're like family, you know? Okay. Yeah. yeah, you spent so much time there and they comforted you and yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. They know Elliot. They love Elliot. And, oh yeah, we're really grateful for them, all of them over there. Um, but yeah, then after that, we, we went to, um, KU med. And at the time I didn't know about Ronald McDonald's house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, Sterling, we're going to have to look for a hotel. And, um, my mom and my sister-in-law, they were able to drop everything and come and um, come and help us out with Pacer. Mm. The day before we had to leave for the surgery, Pacer's birthday, he turned three. So I have a picture of all of us on his birthday and me and Sterling, we're trying to smile you know, and at the same time, it's like, you know, we're happy, but we're like super scared. 
And yeah. you know, kids can feel that. Right. Yeah. And they can feel it. But I'm glad my mom and my sister-in-law were there to to kind of take take control a little bit when I when I had my moments. So did they all come with you and stay in Kansas City at the Ronald McDonald House? All of yes, you? Yes. Yeah. So um we set it up. We called Ronald McDonald House and they were like, yeah um you'll be able to stay and then I was like how much is it going to be and she was like it's free and I was like what <laughs> like, this is like a hotel and she was like yeah you just come and there's food and I was like what it's amazing isn't it yeah and I'm like I've always gone to McDonald's I've always seen the sign I didn't know I really did not know and now I'm like, ask me. Yes, I want to donate. Ask, you know, when when yeah, I go, when you to, go the, to the drive-through or something. Yeah. 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 And um, Sterling is actually on the board of directors now for wow. the one. Yeah, in Topeka. So, um, we, you know, we went down there and my mom and my sister-in-law stayed with Pacer most of the time. They played with him, whatever. And we were at the hospital you know, during the surgery. And it was supposed to be four to six hours. And um, it ended up being eight hours. Wow. Yeah. And um, he had a blood transfusion during surgery. And I was just going crazy, crazy. I was walking back and forth in the hallway. Um, just looking like a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there was this lady that stopped me, this older lady, and she said, Hey, you look lost. Are you okay? And I'm like, My son's in surgery, and I'm just really scared, and I, I can't sit. I have to like keep moving. And she was actually um, the pastor or I, oh, I'm not a chaplain. The church chaplain, uh huh, or yeah. the uh, hospital, yeah. Yes, she, um, she, yeah, she was the chaplain, and she took my hands and she prayed with me. Oh, yeah, and she said everything is gonna be okay, and um, I, I just needed that, right. you know. God knew I needed that reassurance and reassurance, and uh, she, he sent her to come in, like calm me down a little bit. So um, after that, uh, they came and got us and we met with the surgeon. And I remember me and my husband were holding hands so tightly and we we're just like, oh my gosh, like we don't know what he's gonna say. We don't know. And um, uh, he was like, the tumor was the size of a cantaloupe. Wow. Yeah. And he was like, your son had so much pressure in his belly. And I'm like, that's why he could never be comfortable. Yeah. And um, the tumor, you know how it was growing? Well, it had gotten stuck on a little bit of the diaphragm and the spleen. So they had to remove those. Oh, really? Move little bits of the diaphragm and of the spleen. So 
thank God it, it didn't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because the other thing he used to do a lot was um, um, have a lot of hiccups. Oh, uh-huh. Always having hiccups. And I told the surgeon, I said, do you think the tumor was like pressing on the diaphragm? Mm. And he's like, that's possible. That is very possible. And he said that, you know, we had the, he had the blood transfusion, but other than that, everything else went great. And, you know, he's a tough boy and stuff. And we had to remove the kidney and he only has one kidney now. And, um, and so we were just happy. We we're just happy. We we're like, can we go see him? And it's so crazy because when we saw him, he was swollen, swollen because of all the uh, saline they had to give him. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. That was kind of upsetting. Or how do you feel about that? I mean, excited that he's okay, but then he doesn't look like himself, right? Yes, he didn't look like himself, and I was just, yeah, I was just happy that he was okay, and I was just very trusting, like, the nurses and the doctors, like, they knew what they were doing, so I believed that, you know, everything was going to be fine. Um, the, the hardest part for me was when he woke up, um, he was in pain. He was in pain, you say? Yeah. And it was so hard to soothe him. And, you know, with all those wires and stuff, I wanted to hold him, but Mm. it was so uncomfortable and awkward. Um, But I, um, because of the blood transfusion and because he only had one kidney, there was only a certain, certain amount of medications they could give him for pain. Um, so like after a couple of days, they just gave him ty- Tylenol. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause he can't even, he can't take ibuprofen. Mm. Yeah. So that was really hard. And I cried a lot and me and Sterling, we took turns staying with him. Um, and me staying with Pacer. So mm-hmm. we went back and forth, back and forth. Um, and it took him seven days to recover. Seven days at the hospital. And then while we were waiting for him to recover, we were also waiting for the pathology report. And we were still hopeful yeah. that it wasn't cancer. Um, now that I think about it, I'm like, what else would it be? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, of course, we're gonna hope for the best, right? Yeah. Especially yeah. since he came through the surgery, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We were hoping that that was it. We were done because they got all of it out, mm. which was amazing. Um. So yeah, we found out it was cancer, and then. I remember the oncologist calling us and saying, okay, I know he just had surgery, but we have to get started within nine days. I guess they're following the protocol. We have to start radiation within nine days, chemo. And I was just like, oh my gosh, 
Like he just, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't agree. You know, and it's like you didn't you didn't get a breather. Yeah. Yeah. And wow, radiation was seven days, seven days of radiation. And they tried to do it back to back, but there was a weekend between those days. And every time he did radiation, he had to be sedated. Mm. And there had to be a whole team of nurses, anesthesiologists, um, uh, respiratory specialist. It was a lot. And was he still in the hospital at this time or would you just go in? and bring him in for the radiation? Um, we actually drove back to Topeka um, that seventh day. We drove back and then uh, we got started a few days after that, but we would, we would come back home. So he would do radiation and then we would come back home. Then we would go the next day and do it. Wow. Yeah, and we would do it in the morning because it took a long time to set everything up and um, uh, put him down and all that stuff. And so they started in the morning pretty early. Um, and then I think in between those days, he had to get surgery for his port. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that was another, another thing. Um, the port made it easier. Mm -hmm. uh, because having to hold him down all the time to, um, to get blood and draw blood and all that stuff, it was just getting really hard, but we did that. And then chemo um, started, I think either the first day or second day of radiation, uh, they went and started. Um, and I remember the first day I could not be in the room. I could not be in the room. And I remember leaving the room and crying and the nurses like holding me, like, this is okay. It's okay to cry. This really sucks and all this stuff. And it's like, you know that, that this is helping, but at the same time, you don't know what damage it's doing. And it's just horrible. The most horrible feeling. I can imagine. Yeah. But um, at the same time, like all of this happening just made me stronger. I feel like, um, you know, it's a blessing in disguise, even though nobody wants to go through things like that but it's taught me a lot. It's gotten me closer to God. Um, and I mean, he's going to be four in April. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. He's such an amazing kid. Um, something that a lot of, um, I guess, pa parents that go through this, I don't hear them talk a lot about you know, the siblings and how it affects the siblings. Right. Because um, when you're in that moment, you're like in survival mode and mm -hmm. it's all about bringing Elliot to his appointments, bringing Elliot to this. And 
um, when Pacer, my oldest, um, he was three and he was always home with me. You know, we did everything together. We went walking at the lake all the time and we would sing and uh, dance and just do everything. And all of a sudden, you know, a new baby brother and everything changes. And so yeah. to him, he's just like, what is this? Like, you know, and we were at the hospital a lot. So we decided to put him in school. And okay. so that, yeah, that was yeah. a big change. Yeah. So trying to let him know now that, you know, things did change when your brother you know, came and we try to do story therapy with him. Um, so what I did was I wrote a story about what happened uh -huh. and I just used lizards as characters. Um, so like the lizard was so happy with his parents and he felt so loved and they would read and sing and all this stuff. And then one day the lizard mommy was like, I'm going to have a baby. And so the baby brother came and everything changed and mommy and daddy lizard felt, uh, or they, they seemed a little less happy and they were always gone. And, you know, you know, I had to stay with grandma and grandpa a lot and, so I kind of made the story around the story, but with, you know, animal characters. And then I end it with, um, you know, baby lizard and big brother lizard became best friends. They were both happily and it like ends very happy. Mm -hmm. And so I'll read that to him. And subconsciously he's supposed to know that that's his story. Yeah. But it's a little more gentle way of, of doing it instead of just being like, this is what happened. And, you know. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Is it like a story he still requests or you still tell him or not so much anymore? Um, I still do it from time to time and actually like put pictures of the lizards and stuff. So, yeah, I'll do it. And then I... Um, uh, I heard that it's good to like tap them when you're reading, reading it oh, to them. Yeah. So it like integrates better. Um, now that. Yeah. I, um, I started going to therapy as well, you know, just to be able to like process everything and really feel my feelings but um, my therapist helped me a lot with uh, doing things for the kids because even though they were really young, they felt those things. Right, yeah. 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 And so um, Elliot, the first year of his life was fighting, you know, and as a baby, he couldn't do anything um even when we had to hold him down mm -hmm. 
all the time, hold him down to do this, hold him down to do that. And that must have been so scary for him. And so now as a toddler, you could see that he's a fighter because he is always ready to like punch and kick. <laughs> so this is what we're working on. And his worst fear or the, the his worst pet peeve, I don't know what you would call it. He does not like people to hold him down. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he's got he he knows that or something, right? Yeah, he does. And uh uh, he has anxiety when we go to the doctor, you know. Um, so those are the things that we're working on now. But, you know, even after chemo, radiation, all that stuff is done, like it's really not over for the for the family. Like, yes, we're happy, but we still have to deal with, you know, quarterly or monthly scans and tests and you know um uh Elliot had neuropathy on his feet so um you know he was developing at that time and so he didn't walk until maybe a little bit after he turned one but his legs were and his feet were bent so he had to wear a cast full cast for four weeks straight and so there's a lot of like things. Yeah, it didn't end. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when you first started your story, you're saying that you know you had this idyllic motherhood journey in your head when you got pregnant for the second time, and then it, none of that turned out, even with your first. You know, because you you were there for his third birthday, but you you know threw it together really quick, and it probably wasn't perfect. Yeah. So. As you've gone through that, what do you think that, how has it changed you? Like your mindset um, and how you think about, you know, your children going forward. Um, it's changed me a lot. Um, I think before I used to think that everything had to be a certain way. Um, I just felt like you know, if I eat right, if I walk, if I, you know, pray, like, I remember for each pregnancy, I would be in the shower, and I would do the same prayer, you know, dear God, you know, bless this child, um, make them happy and healthy. And in my mind, I just thought that while I'm praying, this is going to happen, because I'm praying it, and I'm believing it. And that is not the case. You know, like, God is listening to us and he's like, yes, I hear you. But sometimes you have to go through a journey. You have to go through a struggle to become who you're supposed to be, even though it's, it's ugly and sometimes sad and chaotic. But I don't put the pressure on myself anymore for everything to be perfect. I do my best. Um, and now I ask for help if I need help. I don't put everything like on myself and some days are better than others, but um, with my kids, I cherish moments. I um, try to be present with them 
And I don't know if before I would be that way, you know, because now I know that life is short and um, I change the way that um, my, expect my expectations are because um, before they were super high with everything, you know, like I, I, I expect to have this, I expect to have that. And when it didn't happen or it was too hard, I would give up. If it was work and it was too hard and it didn't meet my expectations, I would quit. If it was anything. Like perfectionist. Yes, yeah. yes. And, you know, I would do that. And then the only thing that I couldn't really quit is being a mom. Mm -hmm. Things got really, really hard. And my brain was like, you got to quit. You got to, <laughs> I was just like wanting to withdraw and like, I don't want to do any of this, but I could not give up. And so it, it taught me like grit and determination. And um, I also was a very big people pleaser. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, how, how does everyone else feel about this? Let me make sure everyone else is okay. And this experience has taught me that, um, no, I need to check on how I'm feeling and what I want. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So for new moms, what advice would you give them as they start to look towards, you know, the happiness that they is coming and probably is but how would you help them start to reframe their future a little bit yes um i mean any any new mom that i talk to i always kind of give them the same advice and i'm like i definitely don't want to sound pessimistic i want everyone to not not to have high expectations like having high expectations and wishing for stuff, that's not bad. That's great. The problem is when you are, you know, coming into this new journey and a lot of new moms, they don't, they don't know the reality of how it is. Like you hear stories maybe or whatever, but if you're watching movies and you're on social media, you're just seeing like the good parts of it. You might see some some stuff like uh, some funny videos or whatever. But for the most part, you see the cute babies, you see the cute um, cribs and the, the nice nurseries. And this is all the things that we're thinking about. Like, this is gonna be such a fun experience. But nobody really talks about how hard it's gonna be when, you know, things don't go exactly the way that you plan it to. You know, kids get sick. Kids, you know, when they're toddlers and they're growing up, they can get rude and say, I hate you and all this stuff. And sometimes it's, it's awful. Um, so I tell new moms, I'm like, set realistic expectations for your baby, for yourself, you know, yes, if you plan to have a natural birth, that's amazing. 
but knowing your head, like if it doesn't happen, that's okay. Wow. It's okay. And if you want to breastfeed and it doesn't work out, that's okay. Because what happens is moms, they expect all these things like, I have to be the best. I have to be the best mom. And when it doesn't happen and they, they had set that expectations in stone, they get depressed. Yeah. They get anxious because we are so hard on ourselves as moms. Mm-hmm. You know, no one is as hard <laughs> to us as ourselves. Like, you know, we blame ourselves for everything. You know, if our kid says, you know, I don't love you, whatever, what did I do? What did I do? You know, and so set realistic expectations and visualize happiness. Visualize yourself being happy with your family, no matter the outcome that you'll get through. Yeah, admits the mess and or sickness. Yeah. Yeah. Sleep deprivation. Big one. Oh. Yeah. Big one. (laughs) It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be messy and it's gonna be crazy, but you'll get through it and you'll love it because it's your story. It's your unique journey. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Because it doesn't really end. I mean, my kids are teenagers and I still unknowingly, I think, have expectations. Yeah. But I don't even verbalize or really think, but when something happens, it's more devastating because not because it happened, but because of what I thought would happen. Yeah. You know, if I tell someone else what happened, they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, you can get through. I'm like, I don't know. Can I get through it? But yeah. it was unknowingly, it was my expectations. It's so true. Our, our expectations, they really can, um, they can bring us down. And it's not only in motherhood, you know, we think about all kinds of things like, you know, if you're getting, you know, a new promotion at work and you're already thinking like, oh, I'm going to be making this more money. I'm going to be, I'm going to have a great new boss. I'm going to love my coworkers. What if two of those things happen? Not everything, you know, then you're already starting the experience like, well, I didn't, you know, get what I wanted and you know, but if we're realistic and be like, well, if my coworkers aren't the best, if my boss, you know, is not awesome, it's still okay. I'm going to work hard. And I think um, I've been hearing a lot these days about manifestation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How it's not about wishing for something and hoping that it's going to happen, but thinking about the things that the hard things that you have to do to get to where you want to be thinking about it and knowing like I'm going to do it no matter how hard it is so you can get to where you want to be instead of just looking at the the prize or what's at the end and just trying to make that come true without thinking about the road before yes yeah I think that uh, that would help moms a lot. It's going to be hard work. Sometimes it feels very lonely when you have a newborn 
especially right now with the pandemic, like I can't imagine, you know, just trying to um, make friends and mm-hmm. not sleeping and figuring out eating. Yeah, I read something the other day about expectations. I think it was expectations plus disappointment equal resentment. I, I don't think I've heard that. That's really good. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Especially yeah. when we have expectations towards another person. But I think when we have them on ourselves, it's not resentment so much as just maybe depression or anxiety. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I'm i not um, 100% sure on like these studies that I've looked up, um, but there are studies out there that show how, um, you know, mothers... New, new mothers, they're expecting all these things and they're idealizing parenthood. And then when they're not getting exactly what they want, it, it increases depression and anxiety, you know? And we just want to try to, you know, stay away from setting it in stone, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. If you're a single parent, I invite you to check out my free ebook, Parenting Alone with Confidence. You can find it on graceforsingleparents.com and it'll be in the show notes. Thanks for listening.